Hello guys, welcome, welcome back to the House of Awesome. Great to have you guys here tonight. Another really cool call for you. Got a full house as always too. Looks good when you see this many people showing up on these calls. So welcome one, welcome all, and I want to welcome to our new viewers and listeners as well. My name is Patrick Precourt, and tonight we're taking on a really cool topic, another cool topic, uh, topic of change. And it's just just as a prerequisite to this discussion, I'll tell you that you can you could Google right now a million different discussions and, and authors and, and and people who have written and studied and, and and prophesized on change. Okay, so what we're going to talk about, you know, probably nothing here is 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 new. Um, what this comes from is from years of working with uh, individuals who want to make lasting change in their lives. They've got no point where they are committed to do something about it. They just need that extra push or that extra know-how as to how to get it done. And um, I've compiled this um, little list of, of 10 items, 10 <clears throat> actionable steps um, to help you achieve lasting change. It's not hard to make change. It's, it, it's oftentimes difficult to get it to stick. So that's what we're going to talk about, okay? Um, so as we go along, I actually put together, I'm going to do this from a, a PowerPoint presentation in a moment. I'm going to switch over to that. What I'd like to hear from you guys, and, and you can you know start this right away, because this screen up behind me has all of your, um, your comments coming up here, okay? What I'd love to hear from you is, number one, something that you've been wanting to change or have tried to change and not been able to do it. What is that one thing? That if you change would have a would make a an impactful difference in, in even your quality of life and your fulfillment in life. What is that one thing you really would love to be able to change? And then number two, what do you think it is that's stopping you from making that change, from achieving it? And that that quite honestly, now you might be able to speak from past experiences or your past history. In fact, this is I started it and this is what stopped me. Or something like that. Share that, okay? Um, and I'll, I'll get into those in a moment because you know what the truth is? I guarantee whatever you put down, um, many other people on this call will be able to completely relate to. So it'll make great uh, a great discussion as we get a little further along in the call, okay? You know, I did a little research uh, because you've always heard that, you know, people make phenomenal changes in their life once something huge has happened to them, such as like a, a near-death experience or so, some life-threatening experience. So I did some research on that because I've heard through the grapevines that, that that isn't always necessarily the impetus for sustained change. It may create some initial change, but not sustained. So I did a little research and I found that in, in one sampling of a study that was done where they interviewed uh, over 9,000 cancer survivor patients, cancer survivor patients, all different realms, all different severities, okay? And they found amongst the 9,000, okay, only 70% of them even quit smoking. Now, I would think that would be one of the first things I'd let go if my body was rejecting and, and showing signs of failure. But check this out. Out of the 9,000, less than 20% of them 
started eating or corrected to a, eating a healthy diet. Not some hardcore get ready to fight in the cage diet. I'm talking about just a healthy diet. Less than 20% of them made that switch over. That to me was astonishing. Health, something about to take your life is not enough to cause positive change in you. Then what does it take? Interesting, isn't it? Now, this tonight's call is going to be more about actions that you can you know, just line these things up, okay? Almost like putting ammo in a gun. This is just giving you the ammo to get the change you want. It's not really getting into the psychology of change. And that's something I think we'll do on a further call, okay? Um, and that gets in a little deeper. But I'll tell you, it's, you know, we could try to go in and figure it all out, or we could follow some rules that I know functionally work. I know from, from years and years and years of working with individuals, including myself, I am my own laboratory, these rules work. Okay. Now, if we want to get into further as to why they work another time, hell, we can do that. It's just going to take up a lot of time and a lot of brain power, but you don't need to know why they work. Just know that they work and give them a go, right? Let me tell you a funny little test I was done, okay? So there was this experiment done. And it was, it, was, it was seeking out what appeared to be, well, let me take a step back. The recipients of the experiment were unknowing or unwilling. They didn't know they were being, they are part of an experiment yet. Okay. So experiment went like this. They go to a movie house. I think they're being baited. They got, they're doing, they're, Baited into thinking they're there for some other reason, reviewing a movie or something like that. Okay, so they go into a movie house and um, they're everybody's given free popcorn. That's part of the thing they're told they're given. And there's two sizes given out: a medium and a large. And a medium was bigger than any single human being could possibly consume. It was done that way intentionally. And the large was just it looked like an above ground pool, large, enormous. Okay. So they're given so, so they're given free popcorn and they're given more popcorn each individual. Everybody got their own more popcorn than they could possibly any one individual could consume. So there was there's no end to this bucket to either of them. Okay. The other thing that was unique about this is that the popcorn was um, cooked, made, whatever you call it, to be as yucky as possible. It was like five-day-old, stale, nasty, tasteless, squeak-when-you-chew-it popcorn. Okay? Just hideous. <laughs> so anyways, they uh, before these buckets were given to these individuals, the uh, each one was meticulously weighed so they knew exactly how much popcorn was consumed. I don't know the exact details on like handfuls, but check this out. This is gonna freaking blow you away, okay? Because it, it 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 bring it brings us to a good point. And then we'll get into our presentation, okay? The people who had the above ground pool size popcorn ate fifty three percent more popcorn than the ones that had the medium size popcorn bucket what does that tell you what does 
what's the conclusion to be drawn there? No group was particularly more hungry or less hungry, or the popcorn sucked anyways. And it, they concluded something like the ones with the big bucket put their hands in the bucket like 31 more times than the ones with the medium-sized bucket. And then this exercise was repeated again and again and again and again, always to get the same results of the one with the big bucket eating around 50% more than a little bucket. So let me ask you this. If you wanted to change their eating habits, would you motivate them to eat less? Would you teach them the health benefits of eating less? Or would you give them smaller buckets of popcorn? We just proved, I say we, they just proved by simply having a smaller bucket of popcorn, this one group was eating 50% less. We'd have to motivate anybody to do anything. We'd have to teach anybody anything. They're already eating less. And the point here is that your environment has a lot to do with what you do. So I just want to seed you with that little experiment as we go into things here. You know, because the first, you know, when you, and eating is just an easy one to talk about because pretty much everyone always wants to eat better and be healthier. And so few of us actually follow through and do a good job at it. That's why it's just an easy one to talk about. But when we talk about eating healthier, we go out and get diet books and new diet plans and we get all this crap and, you know, and we try to motivate ourselves and play tricks ourselves. What if we just took all the crappy food out of our house and only left good food in our house? We couldn't eat crappy food. That would be change, wouldn't it? Okay. Let me get into this presentation. Any comments or any, especially things that you've want so that one thing you want to change that you have not been able to change and the one thing you think is a primary cause as to why okay that's what I'd like you to share with us up on that board up there all right bam let's see if we can go big screen here hold on one sec uh, slideshow beginning and all right we're good here we go again thank you guys so much for being here today I love the enthusiasm how many people are on this call right now so it's great to see you all here love Babe Ruth hardest opponent to defeat hardest opponent to defeat is one that never gives up they don't necessarily have to be bigger or stronger or faster or smarter or more brilliant or better looking or anything like that they just got to be ruthless in their commitment to keep moving forward. You guys agree with that? Pretty powerful stuff right there. All right, creating massive change, that sticks. This is today's presentation. Why change? So let's start with this because you hear change, 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 change all the time. But why should we change? Well, the you know, change is growing. You, you know the old cliche, if you're growing or if you're not growing, you're what? You're dying. Well, the truth is, you're, you're, well, we're over. I mean, obviously, we're dying. Every day, we're dying. But the, the reality of that statement is if we're not 
changing, if we're not growing, we're growing obsolete because everything around us, everything is constantly in a state of evolution. It's constantly changing and growing in some way, shape, or form. And if we stand still, then we quickly start growing obsolete. Look at a company like, I don't know, Hewlett-Packard for instance, if they took six months off from growing, from research and development, from making a newer, better, bigger product, you think things would be the same when they came back in the world of technology? Of course not. They'd be obsolete. BlackBerry did it. They took time off from research and development. They got arrogant and cocky and thought, well, we just cornered the business world because we got encrypted security or some crap like that. I don't know. I just made that part up. But I know they're supposed to be safer for business. I don't know why. But they thought that they had the corner. They didn't have to constantly redevelop and tool up and become bigger and badder every day. And guess what? They're going down hard right now as everybody stepped up and is just plowing by them. They grew obsolete. And that's why you and I have to constantly be growing. What if we took off from learning technology for a year? The new software and, 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 and hardware that comes out on a regular basis. We'd get our asses kicked the moment we came back. It's no different in every aspect of our life, including our physical health, including our mental health. You stop feeding your brain, it grows obsolete. Your brain is indeed a muscle. The second you stop working that muscle, guess what? It gets weak. It gets sloppy. No different than your body. Do you guys get that or you wouldn't be here tonight? I, I, and I mean this absolutely as sincere as I can. Love you guys for showing up. Tells me a lot about you. The second part about change is that everything must constantly be evolving. It just simply cannot sit still. We're going to talk a little bit here, okay, about the difference between um, evolving in change and reacting in change. Okay? Now, we will change if we're forced to, won't we? We ha all have in some way, shape, or form. Um, I remember almost getting kicked out of high school, and if I didn't change immediately, um, I would have got kicked out. And guess what? That was not an option. I would have got my ass kicked. That would not have sat well with my parents. So I had to change my behavior or there'd be major consequences. That's reactionary change. That's what I could, you know, would refer to as an avoidance of pain. So you break it down to two, two of our driving forces are the avoidance of pain and the gain of pleasure. The avoidance of something we don't want or the gain of something that we want, right? So reactionary change is avoiding something that we don't want. Now, it, I'm not going to say it's it's I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because it isn't. It often creates a change that we should have done already, but it's not done um, according to our playbook. We're reacting. We're not being the cause. So I always speak in terms of are you the cause or are you the effect of the cause. And a lot of people have no problems rolling through life being the effect of the cause. And these are the same people that blame the cause all the time. They blame the economy. They blame politicians. They blame the president. They blame the weather. They blame their parents. They blame um, their kids. They blame everybody. They're an effect 
of someone else's cause. And that's a choice. And you know what? Somebody might be affecting them in a negative way, but they made the choice to be on that side of the equation. Just like you and I make that decision. And that's the difference between a reactionary change and an evolutionary change. Evolutionary change means we got a plan. We're going somewhere, and we're going to do what we have to do, make the changes we have to make to ourselves, to our environment, to the surroundings, to the people we're with, or if, we're, or if it means it comes down to, it, to the people we're not with. We're going to make the change. We evolved to be the person, the people we're meant to be. See the difference there? Huge difference. Huge difference. The evolutionary change, though, it is more strategic. It's not, not just not on a tactical level, whereas reactionary change, change, ah, change is. You're just reacting. You're just getting it done. Evolutionary change does take the tactical effort, the, the boots on the ground to get it done, but it also takes a very strategic effort as well. That's the vision. That's where we're going. That's the bigger picture. That's a CEO in you. That's a war general in you in the war room planning this thing out. Okay. So the change I'm referring to is evolutionary change. Change that you choose because you know there's more out there for you. You also know you're capable of much more. You're capable of being much bigger. That's the change I'm talking about. I'm going to go through 10 calm action steps whatever you want to call them. They said we leave out intentionally the psychology of change, which we'll, we're going to talk about in the future. As I was going through this, I decided, yeah, we're going to talk about that at another time. But who really wants to wait to learn about all that? Why don't we just get the what has to be done so we can start doing it now, right? And that's why we're starting here. Number one, begin with the end. You've got to know where this change is bringing you. Where do you want to go? Because oftentimes, just identifying where you want to go dictates to you exactly the changes that have to be made. Creates a roadmap, doesn't it? And the more concise and specific and crystal clear that you are, the more specific and concise and crystal clear your plan to get there will be as well. Now, people often set out on missions, but because there's no clarity in even defining where there is, they have no idea if they've gotten there or not. Or they may have come pretty close and seen it, but because they didn't recognize it, it went a different direction. This is true. This happens all the time. So step one in this whole process is being crystal clear on where it is you want to go. And don't tell me for instance, I want a healthier lifestyle. No. That's not how would you even take action on that? It doesn't tell me squat. Define it. Crystal clear. Define what a healthier lifestyle is. All right, Pat, I get what I get what you're saying. You mean No, what do you mean, Pat? <laughs> what I mean is what is a healthy lifestyle to you? Is a healthy lifestyle now this could be anybody, right? means I don't smoke anymore. means I don't drink five nights out of the week. Yeah, but it's only one or two glasses of wine a night. And you know what? It still takes from you. Unless you guys are under the age of 20, which I doubt any of you are. 
Alcohol has an effect on our performance the next day, every single time. Give me a hell yeah if you know what I'm talking about, right? Not to get off to topic here, but these are the little lies that we tell ourselves. Well, it's only one drink or it's only two drinks. Those are just little lies. Let's be honest with ourselves. It affects our performance. Back to what's a healthy life, back to being healthy. Pat, my goal is to be healthy. No, tell me more. What does that mean? Because that, what that means to you, what that means to me, what that means to somebody else, two totally, three to totally different things. So how do you even take action to achieve that? To me, a healthy lifestyle, okay, has been able to wake up fully energized in the morning because I slept like a bear the night before. Guess what? You've got to be in a healthy state for that to happen. You guys know what I'm talking about. Being healthy to me is not being fatigued at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's feeling energized. It's been able to do a set of jumping jacks in the middle of the day and just come to life from it. It's not having to rely on coffee every day. It's been able to go to the gym and work myself till I've you know pretty much reached my limit but recover soundly by the next day. It's being able to go play frisbee on the beach and not be exhausted throwing a frisbee back and forth. If you've never done that, it's running on a beach, tossing a frisbee is tiring as hell. But being healthy to me, that's that's how I measure that stuff. What does it take to get there? Now we can start really defining eating habits, sleeping habits, drinking habits, training habits, recovery habits, meditation habits. Follow me in this? That's how clear I need you to be. You will not get there. You know what? Here's what happens. When you're not clear on where you're going, you start to go down that path to get there. It becomes so freaking overwhelming because you have no idea even what to do next. You're like, ah, I'm out. Ever been there? Or it just seems so big, too many different things to do all at once. It's because you lack clarity in where you're going. That's, oops, that's step one. Step two, they roll right into each other here, is creating a massive action plan to achieve the outcomes that you desire. And this, going through this process, allows you to think through the process itself. Because the action plan is the step-by-step -step how you're going to get there. And when I say massive, okay, here's the thing. You've got to assume that whatever plan you come up with today, here and now, that is most likely not going to work out very well. Why? Well, if you're creating change, that means you're doing something you haven't done before. Guess what? You don't even have all the answers as to how to get there. That's not reason not to start. But part of this is going to be an expedition. Part of this is going to be doing things that don't work, reassessing, uh, reassessing, make a new plan and go again. And that's why we got to start out with a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And this is how we're prepared with the unknown, knowing that we will hit the unknown, we got a backup plan for it. See, the thing is, we never, ever, ever have enough information when we start anything that's new to us. But that doesn't mean we can't start now. And the act of starting and the act of this journey is what fills in the missing details. That's called experience. You know, when you do something and you do not get the results you desire, we chalk that up as experience. It's not a bad thing. It's not a failure. It's not a negative. That's the experience we need to complete this journey. Step number two, create a massive action plan. Step number three, adapt to the circumstances. You know, 
there are circumstances that we can control and there are circumstances that are uncontrollable. When we try to control uncontrollable circumstances, we lose, period. Example, weather. You cannot write a plan to go away on a motorcycle for two weeks cross country and not prepare yourself for bad weather because it will happen. And if you think you can control the weather, well, that that would be you'd be an absolute lunatic. <laughs> I'm using a very obnoxious and obvious circumstance here that we can't control. So part of this is understanding the circumstances that we can control and that we can't control. So let me give you a more maybe an understandable one. Use fighting in the cage, mixed martial arts. You step into a cage, you have a plan. You have a plan based on, you know, if you did your plan right, it focuses all around your strengths, but it does identify a bit the strength of your opponent. You'll adapt your plan as needed. Now, what if you had a plan that said you're going to go in there, and this, you didn't think this guy was a good stand-up guy. You go in there, you are a good stand-up guy, but you find this guy is punching the crap out of you. You're just taking too much abuse, and you cannot stop him. Your plan just went to hell. Now, can you turn him into being a bad puncher right now? No. That's a circumstance that, you know what, it is what it is. It's time to adapt. And you know it's not the smartest or the strongest or the wisest that survive these things. It's the ones that are fastest to adapt to the circumstances. So in a fighting world, if you're getting your ass kicked on your feet, the next step, you take it to the ground. You get him out of the, his element. Break your plan. Go to your plan B. Plan B was do whatever it takes to survive this round. That's plan B. Right now, that's avoid punches at all costs. Get it? Controllable versus uncontrollable. The quicker you identify what you can't control and adapt to those circumstances, most likely you'll come out the other end okay. If you refuse to adapt, like I'd stay on my feet and, infuse, and, and, and insist on standing up with this guy who's already showing that he's crushing me, guess what? That pig-headed stubbornness, that lack of ability to see a circumstance that I cannot fix, my inability or, or, or lack of willingness to adapt will lead to my demise. I see this with investors, real estate investors, all the time. They screwed up on a house. The market does not support the selling price they want it for. They've cut it as low as they can. Any lower, they lose money. Still not selling. Guess what? It is what it is. You cannot change what the market's willing to pay for your house right now. Your best bet is to adapt, which means you up, take a little loss, get the hell out of it, and move on and go make money in circumstances that you can control. Did you just gain some valuable experience? Doing something where you don't get the results that you desire? Yeah. You grow from it. You write a new plan. You move forward. Cool. That's step number three. Remember step number two, create a massive action plan. Step number one, begin with the end in mind. Step number four, begin Immediately, there's two sides of our brain that come into play here whenever it's time to do anything. Now, if we're, you know, if we're just going through mundane daily tasks, chores, like driving a car, for instance, not much is going on in our brain. But when it comes time to do something big, to take that leap of faith, to make a change, two things happen. Our 
intellect kicks in and our emotions kick in. Real quick on this, okay? Because they're required, they balance each other. Our intellect gives us a direction, tells us where to go. Our emotion is the driver behind it. It's what powers us. Neither of these could stand on their own, okay? But what happens oftentimes when it comes time to make true change, the emotion of fear steps up, which takes our emotional driver out, and then we're left with our intellect. And what does our intellect do? Sits there, overwhelmed, spinning its wheels because it's thinking too much. It doesn't have the driver to move forward, so it drives in circles on its own. Before you know it, nothing. We can't get out of our own way. We go into almost like a crisis in our own brain, you know, freak out, lockdown, we're done mode. We're out. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know the exact answer. I believe, well, I take that back, and we'll talk about this on some future calls, on some, some antidotes to that happening, okay? But I'm telling you the action plan now to push through it. Screw your emotions, screw your intellect. Just begin. Put a timestamp on it and get it going now. If you don't, everything you just did, one, two, and three, suck, okay? Because they're empty. They don't count. Just do it. These are action plans. These aren't explanations as to why they work. I'm telling you, get the ball rolling. Ignore that whiny voice going on between your ears and a, a, ignore that other whiny voice that's scared to death. Just do it. And you'll find all different reasons and excuses and lies as to why you shouldn't start it now. And I guarantee you some of you right now are telling yourself those things right now. Oh, no, I get all this pep, but I'm going to start Monday. That's a lie, why you can't. And quite honestly, it again, let, let's call, let, you, let, we're going to hang out, right? This is informal. Nobody's recording this or anything. So we, we can speak honestly to each other. That's just bullshit. It really is. If it means enough to you to get on this call, to get this far, you each have something in your mind that has to change now. Stop accepting your own excuses. Hell, if you're sitting in front of me right now, I can undo every single one of them. Do it for yourself. Begin immediately. Overcome that voice in your brain. You know, the reason that our, uh, our intellect gets so frazzled is because we don't give it clear enough instructions. Its job is to lead us down the path. But when the path isn't clear, because all we told is that we want to live a healthier lifestyle, we didn't tell exactly how we're going to go about doing that. Oh, it gets confusing as hell. Well, live a life. All right, we got to live a healthier lifestyle. That means, all right, I got to stop all these things. I got to do this. I got to buy this new book, and I got to study this thing over there. And we got these fourteen different diets. One is high protein. One is high carbohydrates. One says no meat. One says all red meat. Blah blah blah. And I got to go to the grocery store, and I got to pile this crap. And then there's natural food, and there's farm raised, and there's grazing, and ah, right. That's what happens. You didn't give it fair enough instructions. We'll talk more about that on a future call, why your brain gets all whacked out like that. Number four, ignore all the chit-chat going on in your brain and just start. What if I screw it up? Assume you will. So what? 
We'll get to that in a second. That's one of my steps. All right, number five, track your result. If you cannot track it, you cannot improve it. If you cannot track it, you cannot improve it, period. So as we go along this path, and I call it practice just because everything we do is practice for the big day. I'll get back to that. Deliberate practice versus just doing. Never go through the motions. Never do it to get it done. Deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. All right, so let's use an example of golfing. I don't golf, but I've been known to go to a driving range and murder a bucket of balls. <laughs> but I don't golf. But if I was to golf and I wanted to get better at golfing, I wouldn't just go to the golfing range and murder a bucket of balls. That's not measurable. It's not trackable. It's not improvable. At the end of the day, all I would know is I murdered a bucket of balls. Bucket's empty. But did I get any better at golfing? The answer is don't know. Most likely not because we didn't track it. Or, anyways, if you can't, if you don't track it, you can't improve it. So how would you track it? Well, you could fill your bucket with say 100 balls, and you can set a pin maybe at 200 yards, and maybe you can have an objective to drop the ball within. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's good, 20 yards of that pin 80% of the time or 20 feet of the pin 80% of the time. I don't even know what's good in golf. Now it's measurable. Now in 100, you whack 100 balls, you see if did 80 of them land there or not. And you can make adjustments because you're aiming at this pin now, right? So every aspect of it is improvable now. Follow me? So you don't know how successful you've been. <laughs> you don't get any better and you stop caring. And this does get a little on the psychological side of this, okay? <clears throat> but if we don't see improvement, we lose interest. Why do you think gamification of everything has gotten so popular? Because it keeps people interested. That's why CrossFit exploded. It's been gamified. Once you can make a game out of it, it means that you're keeping score. Once you keep score, we're interested. Nobody wants to lose. Everybody wants to get better. Nobody doesn't want to know the outcome of their efforts. Would you agree with me on that? Nobody does not want to know the outcome of their efforts. Think about if you're going to give a presentation on a stage. You're scared to death. It's your first time ever doing it. Let's say there's a thousand people in the audience, okay? And in the first scenario, at the end of the audience, you did a good job. At the end of the presentation, a couple people in the audience stood up, a few more stood up. And before you know it, the entire audience is up clapping for you. How good would that make you feel? You got results from what you did. Now I'll take a second audience. Second audience is not allowed to talk or show any facial emotion or body language emotion. They just have to sit there. You go up, you present, and you leave. How would that make you feel? How interested are you doing it again tomorrow versus the first one. You follow me on that? This 
part of it is important because we often start new things and we don't at all bother to track our results. You know, I don't care how bad you are at something, if the next time you do a little better, you're excited. You're in the game. Versus doing mediocre or even good at it, but each time not knowing any difference from the last time, you start losing interest. Tracking your results in anything and everything is critical. If you're going to start moving your body for the first time in a long time, so you go for a walk. For one, you do one mile, I don't know, 15 or 18 minutes or something. I don't know. It's slow, no doubt. Your, your fitness has got a ways to go. But what if the next day was 17 minutes and then 16 minutes? Then you added, I don't know, 200 yards to it on a fourth day. See what I'm saying? Little improvements, but you're in the game. You're excited. Track your results. Next one here. Embrace fear. This goes back to this one here. Begin immediately. Okay. No matter what, overcome your fear. Embrace fear. Okay. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, there's things I do on probably a fairly common schedule that, that they, they scare me out. Scare me out. They wig me out. They scare me. And I got to tell myself, Pat, if you react in fear, you will lose. If you react in courage, you're at least in the game to win. Let me repeat that because these are the same words I tell myself. I'm not fearless. I don't know anyone that is. They are. They're lying to you. When I'm in a situation where I'm just not feeling good about it, and it's something that you know I want to do, I t I tell myself, Pat, if you react in fear, you will lose. Whatever it is you want will not come to fruition. If you react out of courage, which means that you go for it in the face of fear, you're at least in the game and have a chance to win a possibility and that's part of my you know my life statements and I don't need easy all I need is possible so once I get to possible that gives me the green light it's a go so this is a little wordplay I use with myself all the time if I react in fear I lose if I react in courage brings about possible and hell, that's what I live by. I don't need easy. I just need possible. It's now back in my wheelhouse. That's what I mean by embracing fear. You know, there's uh, this little statement up there. It, it's really sad that most people fear living more than dying. I left the tail end of that off. It said until they're on their deathbed. Most people fear living more than dying until they're on their deathbed. That's where they wish they lived more. That's where they wish they spent more time creating a legacy. Something to leave behind that represented who they were. An impact that will live on long beyond their physical time on this earth. 
that's when they really start thinking about living, unfortunately. And as when I say this, this isn't everybody, of course, but it's a vast majority of people, as proven by interview after interview after interview. Now, you and I are in, a, in the most gifted, lucky position in that huh, we can still do something about it. It's possible. Hmm, like that, don't you? So number six, embrace fear. Number seven, control your environment. So let's spend a minute here, okay? Now that little popcorn study we did at the very beginning about big popcorn, little popcorn, and by virtue of having a big popcorn, people ate 53% more popcorn. That's their environment. That That's not their intellect. That's not their motivation. That's simply their environment that's making that decision for them. And I will tell you, this is true because will is finite, not infinite. It runs out. And if all you do is run on will each day, you beat the hell out of yourself until you run out. Then you're done. But your environment is much, much more powerful than your will. That's a fact. That's a fact. So what is your environment? Well, starts with the people you surround yourself with. They have more influence on you than you could possibly believe. You know what? It's really hard to outperform the expectations of the five or six people that you spend the majority of your time with. <clears throat> Let me repeat that. It's very, very difficult to ever outperform the expectations of the five or six most influential people. The people that have, when I say most influential, I'm not talking about the ones you look up to most. <clears throat> I'm talking about the ones you spend the most time with. Okay? I'm talking about those people. Those are the ones that are influencing you the most. Whether you choose, whether you like their influence or not, that's what's happening. That's your environment. Coming home, so some of you guys know we have a fitness center, and it's a lifestyle fitness center with the heart and culture of our martial arts, meaning that it, it's geared for lifestyle fitness, but it has no other way to describe the culture of our martial arts, the discipline, the commitment, the attitude, and the gratitude that you find in the arts. Okay. So I work with a lot of people on, on creating change in, in, in their, you know, in physical lifestyle, okay? And I run into a problem with people when they tell me that they're the one person out of the five or six people in the family that are engaged in a healthier lifestyle. I'm like, oh, tell me about what happens when you get home. And their spouse eats like crap and their kids eat like crap and they stay up late and... Blah, 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 blah. And there's soda in the house and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, nothing for nothing. But you're fighting a near impossible uphill battle here. Because those are some of the most influential people on you. Your environment is not conducive to the 
outcomes that we want because you know what when your willpower is depleted at the end of the day and you're not supposed to be eating those last cookies right before you go to bed or a piece of cake or bowl of cereal or a big glass of milk which sucks right before you go to bed your willpower is not there anymore it's depleted it's gone all this your environment is supporting this action that stuff's in your environment it's gonna happen follow me on all that we could go after situation after situation after situation describing how powerful willpower isn't what there was a movie I forget what it was it was with Eddie Murphy and um, uh, a trading places I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie where's a you know a very successful stockbroker and uh, was one dude I forget who that was and then Eddie Murphy was I guess like the homeless guy and uh, they did a little test if they swapped these two people in their environments what would happen would they morph, which they did, and that was so symbolic of reality, you know? What's your environment look like? Who do you have to hold you accountable? Who expects more out of you than you do that you surround yourself with each day? Why do you think professional athletes, anybody who's anybody in Hollywood or, or professional musicians, any top performer or anything, always surround themselves with a team of coaches because that's their environment. Those people, the ones that are with them all the time, they have the greatest influence on them. They expect a hell of a lot more out of these individuals do themselves. That's why they perform at the level they do. Crazy, isn't it? That's number seven. Start taking control of your environment. Where do you hang out? Who do you hang out with? What do you do in that time? Number eight, own your outcomes. All right, here comes a high level of personal accountability. This is where responsibility kicks in. Again, this is where you got to kick aside any self-pity crap that's going on, any, oh, woe is me garbage, okay? Number one, start with where you are and own it. I don't care how you got where you are outside of you made decisions to get there, period. Period, period. Accept that. Make that yours because you know what? Until you own that, not 50% or 70 or 80 or 90%, until you own that 100% that you are the reason you are where you are today. Once you own that, you can start doing something about it. Anything shy of 100% ownership, no, you cannot change it because you don't own it enough to input, to have an input on it. Period. Exclamation point. Done. No argument on that one. Okay? Own it. It's like forgiving somebody. They may have wronged you to the end of the world. Well, forgiving them ain't for them. It's for you so you can move on. This is exactly the same thing. You want to know who has a hard time with this? Sometimes I do. I honestly do. And I got to sit there and slap myself around a little to get it through my thick head. But Pat, listen to what you preach because you need that right now. So I get it, especially when things, when people screw you or when they made promises they don't follow through on, or when they're a loved one that is just like a dead anchor in your life, and they're not willing to do their part. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. You still have to own it if you want to improve it. If you don't own it, it ain't yours to improve. Get it?
part two of this is who you were does not have to dictate who you are to become. Now, I got to assume, and this might be a false assumption, <laughs> that everybody's done one or two or a few more things in their lives that they ain't proud of. That if they could do differently, nah, probably would. Effectively, a few skeletons here and there. And yeah, I get it. No different. Okay. But the truth is, that was then, and this is now. That's in your past. It's in my past. We can't change that. It can only affect what happens next. And every decision we make from this point forward will have an effect on this trajectory that we're on in life, period. That's why these two are so closely related. Once you own where you are and understand that it does not matter how you got there, good or bad, it doesn't matter. All that matters is what you see in front of you. <laughs> you always use this little metaphor that... The only reason the rearview mirror in your car is only about 5% of the entire front windshield is because that's, that's max of the stuff that's happened in the past, how relative it is to you in the future. The past is just not that important. There's a few things, though, we've learned from, but all we do is carry. We don't carry the event forward. We carry forward the learning lesson from it. We separate the two. We let the freaking thing go. Cool? Own your outcomes. Starts with owning where you are right now. What got you here is yours. You know what? And I've heard some, I've had this discussion with many people, and, you know, some horrible things have been done to people, to many people, no doubt to some of you on this call in the past, that have gotten you and literally have led to getting you where you are today. I get that. Okay? But, until we own where we are, we can't do anything about it. This type of forgiving, if you will, it's not really forgiving, but it's synonymous with forgiving. It's not for anybody else other than ourselves. Take ownership of you so you can create your circumstance. You can become the cause and not maybe in some situations continue to be in effect. Next, enjoy the journey. <laughs> this is where we take a take, do, do, do me a favor. Take a deep breath right now. I know some of this is pretty intense. It should be. Oh, we're not here to waste each other's time, right? But even though this stuff gets tough and intense, at the end of the day, we have to learn to enjoy the journey, the process, because that's what makes you and I, well, you and I. And it's not just the good things that happen to us that make us such wonderful people. It's the challenges in life. And oftentimes, it's the challenges in life that really shape us. I think you guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's the things that didn't go so well, that we had to struggle with, that really tested our character. Maybe it's the thing that broke our character and forced us to rebuild, forced us to look at ourselves and our lives a little differently. But that's why it's so important that we enjoy this journey because the good and the bad make up the journey. 
And that's why it's so important that we enjoy both sides. And I often say it's the peaks in our lives where we celebrate our lives, and it's the valleys where we learn about lives. We learn about who we are. You know, there's an un unobtainable outcome in the desire to achieve fulfillment. It goes like this. The, 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 the epicenter of true fulfillment is when we become actually what we are potentially. When we actually actually a little overuse of the word, when we actualize our potential, self-actualization, I'm sure you've heard that term before, right? When we become actually what we are potentially. So we're all given at birth, you know, a God-given set of potential, right? Potential that we have. And you know some people, I know some people, they're like, oh man, he had all the potential and just pissed it away. I get it, whatever. But it's our job to achieve our full potential. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's where we get fulfillment because that's where we feel like we're being everything we can be. We're being big. But here's the kind of ironic, paradoxical little twist to it. <clears throat> this journey to achieve our potential, self-actualization, at the exact same time that we're constantly driving, getting bigger, we're increasing our potential as well. So even though our you know our self-actualization is going up, we're becoming bigger and better every day, our potential is increasing as at the exact same time. So in another discussion you can, that we've had, you can relate this to your your capacity trying to become as big as your spirit, but as your spirit gets bigger, your capacity, as your capacity gets bigger, it keeps pushing your spirit out as well. Your spirit's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's the unobtainable outcome. So the key here is, number one, learn to enjoy the journey. You do that through gratitude. Even if it's every single morning, you get up and love the blessings that you have. There's not a single person on this call right now, just by virtue of the fact that you could be here listening to me, that's a blessing, not because you're listening to me. That I wasn't being arrogant there, but because you can be here listening to me. That's a blessing in and of itself. You've got thousands of them. And part of enjoying the journey is learning to appreciate what we do have. You know, it's really, really easy to get caught up in focusing on what we don't have. But truth is, that'll never. When you focus on what you don't have, all that can do is push you backwards, knock you down, and that kind of brings us forward here to never miss a day. We do get knocked down, yes or no? Yes, of course we all do. Is that a bad thing? No. Getting knocked down is would be synonymous with um, stepping down into the valley. Okay. That's all. It's part of the learning process. But we emotionally go down in the valley too, unfortunately, because we're not great at enjoying the tough times as much as we do the celebrations, which, when put under another light, 
knowing that we're given another opportunity to grow bigger right at this moment while we're down in that valley. And the second we're grateful for that opportunity, it changes the tides, which means that we stay in the valley a shorter period of time. Everything changes. But this number 10 never misses a day. It doesn't count on you or, you or me being emotionally strong every day. Okay. Remember, this is an action step. All of these are action steps. Never miss a day means every single day, every day that you're breathing, you make a commitment to move towards the outcome, the change that you desire. Every single day, and no matter what, no exceptions, period. This does so many things. I'll, uh, and I'll get into this more when we go to the other side of change on one of our upcoming calls, okay? But the momentum this builds up, the confidence that this gives you. I don't care if you said, all right, Pat, you know what? Um, every morning I'm going to do 30 push-ups and 30 sit-ups and 30 jumping jacks and whatever. And then one morning you get up, you're sick as a dog. Feel like hell. Well, get on the floor and do one freaking push-up. So at least you can say you met this rule. You keep the ball moving forward. Here's what happens. Okay, here's the part that matters. That one push-up, that going to change you physically? No. But by your mind going through the actions of making this, this conscious decision to focus again on the outcomes you desire builds a higher level of focus, a more intense focus. And this is like stacking the cards to your advantage. This is getting the universe to stand behind you achieving your outcomes. Here's a funny thing about the universe. The universe does not know right from wrong. <clears throat> it listens to you clearly, though. Whatever you focus on, it will support. Hear me on this. Whatever you focus on, it will support, but it does not know right from wrong. And the more intense your focus, the more intense the support you'll get from sources you never knew were available out there. So a real, real simple example of this is when you're driving down the road and you see something in the middle of the road, like a pothole or a dead animal, and you don't want to hit it, yet you freaking squish the thing because you focused on it. You had no choice. <laughs> it's true. No different than you start looking for a new car, you finally choose a car that you're emotionally engaged in, the next day you see that same damn car everywhere. Everybody's got that car. Now, were those cars there yesterday? Yup. Why didn't you see them? Well, because the brain's got these filters that the brain will only let through things that you focus on. It, too, these filters, that is, don't know right from wrong. They don't know good from bad. They'll let through exactly what you tell it to let through and that's it. So although those cars were there the day before, you had no interest in them, therefore they get filtered out. Your brain cannot possibly process the 25 billion bits of information it gets every day. It's got to pick and choose and it does so based on your focus. And that's why never miss a day is such a critical step in achieving your outcomes. It forces you every day to focus on your outcomes, on achieving the outcome, on bringing them back in vision. Even if all you did was one push-up because you're sick as a dog, a lot of other stuff is triggered that works in your favor. You start building the momentum that you've been needing. 
Finally, a couple little tips here as we start to wrap this up. Things that we don't see clearly all the time. Along the journey, there will always be someone ahead of you and someone behind you, and that's part of the process. The key here is, number one, don't focus on the person ahead of you. Don't say, well, why? I wish I was there. I wish I did that many house sales. I wish I made that much money. I wish I drove that kind of car, had that big house, whatever. No. You focus on you. Second, you focus on somebody else. You take the focus off of you. You take the focus off of your outcomes. Take the focus off of what you need to achieve. And you draw with it all that other support we just talked about. It's gone too. Hear me in that? There'll always be someone behind you. See, I got a thing on helping others. And I'm not all about giving handouts. I'm about giving hand up, hands up, okay? And there's a definite difference. We don't have to go into that tonight, okay? I will continue on a journey to constantly reach a handout to those who want it. Rather, a hand, a hand up, sorry. This is not giving them something for nothing. This is helping them to achieve what they want to achieve, giving them that extra push. Now, why would you do that? Because you know what? You will get back in exchange of value far more than you could ever, ever ask for when you do this in a, such a way that is out of absolute gratitude without ever any expectation of anything in return. You will get so much more from it beyond your imagination. Okay? And then finally, know how to ask what you need. We all need stuff all the time. Some things more than others. Okay? Sometimes we need to feel good about ourselves, yes or no. Sometimes we just feel pretty crappy, a little depressed. Our little voice is beating the crap out of ourselves, saying we're not good enough, we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're not fast enough, we're not experienced enough, we're not pretty enough, whatever it may be. We beat the hell out of ourselves, and we need to feel better about ourselves. Well, I know the easiest way to ask for that gift is to go give that to somebody else. I learned a long time ago, the easiest way to get exactly what you want is to give that gift to someone else. Now, you won't believe what I'm talking about right now until you experience it for yourselves. But again, these are actions. These are not why and how things work. So you can do with these as you wish. Um, if they sound good to you, try them. If you think they'll serve you, go for it. Okay? And I'd love... All right, let me uh, switch back. Let's see if I can switch back. We'll wrap up this call. I guess it looks like we have some, uh, huh. I wonder, hey, Mike, if you're there, can you tell me if you can see my uh, camera? Um, Mike. Well, I'm assuming that you guys can see my, my camera right now. I'll just double check. Hold on. Screen share. Uh, huh. Uh-huh. Whoops. <laughs> I may have just hit the wrong one. Hang on. 
Uh, That's what happens when I start playing with this thing. Hold on. <laughs> so I may have just totally screwed up what you guys are seeing, and I apologize for that. If not, we'll go for it. Listen, what I want to do right now is go through our uh, questions. We got some up here, and we'll rock through these. Hold on here. Uh, duh, duh, duh. Let's see. All right. Mike says I'm all good now. So I'm not not looking at you guys on purpose, but my questions are up here. Okay. Um, let's see here. From Maureen. There we go. It says I uh, want to change the emotional eating habit in uh in my life. I actually, haven't changed yet because it's a mental type of comfort thing. When you give something up, you have to put something in its place. Learning to do that, but it is a process. I shall overcome. Yeah, um, it's a process, Maureen. You know, um, taking certain foods out of the house that your go-to foods that um, that you normally put in your mouth at the wrong time as emotional substitution. That would be a start. Is that I would first? Oh, I always go right for the environment. What can you change in the environment? Uh, and what could, what else could you, if you know it's an emotional trigger food, what can you do to substitute in for it? Thank you for sharing. Mr. Lupica, I have difficult work on things when the results aren't immediate. I usually get scared and move on to something else. You know, you bring up a good point, and this is going to be a big part of our discussion next time around. And Stephanie just reminded me, she said, Pat, don't look at the screen below, but look up at the camera. So I'll look at the camera now that I'm answering questions. But, um... I have difficult working on things when the results aren't immediate. I usually get scared and move on to something else. Okay, why is that? It's very simple. Remember the intellectual side. You know you want to do it, but then there's the emotional side, the driver that does it. Right? That's what does it. I mean, the challenge with the driver, the emotional side of us, is that it likes immediate results, instant feedback, and when we don't get it. Well, we let other things get in the way. So I hear you on that, okay? Um, I usually get scared and move on to something else. Well, part of that then goes back to those 10-step plan, right? If you're going to get scared, what are you afraid of? You're afraid of something not working or failing or you started doing it and the results aren't coming back, therefore you think you know something bad's going to happen. Prepare yourself for that. Go through these steps one by one by one, and it addresses that doesn't give you the why it works, but it addresses it. It takes, it takes that fear directly into consideration because you're prepared for it now, right? Remember that whole process. If you react in fear, you will fail. If you react in courage, you're in the game. There's possibility. You don't need it to be easy. All you need is the possibility. You need that opening. Adopt that mindset. Uh... From Stephanie says, I need to get organized so I can stay on top of my busy, busy, busy life. I can't or don't want to cut more activities out, but I'm falling behind in stuff and eating out more without exercising. What's holding me back? All right, stop. Before I get to the rest, okay, you are describing why you can't do this, okay? 
I need to get organized, and we always blame organization, but that's not really always the case here. So I can stay on top of my busy, busy life. I can't or don't want to cut out activities, but I'm falling behind and stuff and eating out more without exercise. Okay, how important is health to you? Because it sounds like you're failing at that. How important is getting these things done properly? Okay, Steph, I'm just being honest with you here. There's a million things I would love to do. I can't do them all. I can't, okay? And if I don't concede that, means that I'll try to do too much because I won't say no to anybody, and I'll screw a lot of things up. So nothing will work. So this is less about your organization, and certainly starting out right now, more about your prioritization. And I'd love to hear more, why do you have to do all these things? We can only be so fulfilled, right? But I also know that if nothing's getting done, you're lacking fulfillment. And maybe there's an ugly loop there. When I say nothing, you know, nothing's getting done to your satisfaction properly. So now you feel like um, you feel nothing's getting done. Therefore, you're not getting any fulfillment. And you think doing more things will get it for you. Maybe there's an ugly circle going on there, Steph. Feeling overwhelmed and zapped with no energy. You're zapped with no energy because you're fighting willpower constantly, using willpower to get through everything, which beats you up emotionally, uh, which eating uh, which eating healthy and exercise would help with, but eating healthy and exercise requires cooking and prepping, getting started, which are all overwhelming. looks larger than possible sometimes. Bad stop! Now, Steph, I know you wrote this, before we went through these 10 steps. But is, some, is, is there some common themes going on here, Steph, that we already talked about, right, on? Take a step back. Figure out clearly, clearly where you're going. Clearly. And it's that lack of clarity right now that's crushing you. And I'm going to guess there's a lot of things you start and don't follow through with and start again and don't follow through with and start and don't follow through with, which takes 10 times more energy than if you started and kept it going. That would speak to rule number 10, never miss a day. I get it, Steph. From... Dave said, I started ordering kids' menus portions when I know it's not healthy. Hang on. I started ordering kids' menus portions when I know it's not healthy or splitting my meals with someone else. One serving is fine, but if you put it on my plate, I'll keep eating. Well, just like the fatsos did, I use that in a loving way, eating the above-ground pool side of popcorn. It was there, so they ate it. No other reason. Why do you eat so much? It was there. Of course, they didn't admit that. Right? That's the only reason why they ate so much, because they could. Because it was in proportion. It looked a huge. The environment, this big thing, a few extra hands, looked like nothing to them. Right? Crazy. <laughs> this is what people were saying. Hell yeah, to one of the questions earlier. Uh... Slides aren't advancing. Hopefully they advance now. <laughs> um, 
Regarding step seven, what if your kids or spouse have traits and habits that are not conductive to your change? I get it. And you know what? I could almost promise you with few exceptions that everyone on this call, if they're contemplating or thinking about a significant change in their lives, then it will be outside of the realm of comfort for everybody else in their household. That's universally factual right there. Okay? It's human nature. Nobody wants to nobody wants to change. Change is not natural for us, although it's required for us. It's crazy. It's like one of those bad jokes that the universe plays. Here's the deal. You've got to take on that ownership. This is where you've got to, you know, you've got to play the role of inspirational leadership. And I'm not talking about being a leader. There's a difference between leadership and inspirational leadership. You've got to inspire them to be bigger. I mean, you want them to choose on their own to want more. Which, there's a lot to that depending on is this immediate family, which in this, in your case, in this, Rob is your immediate family, but it might be in family, it might be in a small office, it might be in a you know, bigger work environment. This is why this is where you've got to be the change you want them to buy into. And here's the thing. This is you know, it is what it is, but there's a fair chance you're gonna have to go down that path first. Will it be a hell of a lot harder than if they were on board with you? Yeah, it will be. How bad do you want it? How bad do you deserve it? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to achieve it no matter what? Because that's the level of commitment it takes at this point. Here's the cool thing about all this. We'll wrap up on this, okay? We can all have anything we want. And I say within reason. I don't mean it's got to be a reasonable want, but it's got to be gettable. <laughs> um. But that's a, true, that's a true statement. There's nothing that any of you, there's not a lifestyle any of you can't have if you choose it. But you got to get through this first. Let me update these and see if there's any more uh, questions here. Uh, camera looks good. Think, let's go. I think I got it. Hold on. I think. <laughs> Hold on. Be patient with me. Patience is a virtue. I was told. Uh, okay. I think I got it. All right. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna wrap this call up. Some. It won't be our next call, but over the next couple weeks. We will get back. We're going to come back to the the other side of um, of change, which is really the the psychological side that goes along with all this stuff. But for now, take these ten steps, run with them. 
We'll get to the why they work at another time, and I'd love to hear your feedback on them. And please, by all means, share the share this with us. And if any of you interested in finding out more about what I do one-on-one -on -one with coaches, with with students, um, in creating structural change in their lives, getting them to basically live a bigger life as entrepreneurs or as CEOs or as as family members, um, please feel free to check out uh, my site at patrickprecourt.com forward slash coaching and tell all about it. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here, and you have, uh, have an awesome week. Peace.